Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios, it's time for Women in Motion. Brought to you by WBEC West. Join forces, succeed together. Now, here's your host. Another episode of Women in Motion. This is Lee Cantor with my co-host, Dr. Pamela Williamson. So excited to be talking to everybody today. And today we're going to cover an important topic. Can the government become your best customer? Welcome, Pamela. Hi, thank you. I'm excited for the show this month. We are all about government contracting and providing information to stir up curiosity and hopefully some action in women business owners who have not considered doing business with the government. And for those listening that currently are already doing business with the federal government, we're hoping to share some nuggets to help you expand on that business. Today, we have a powerhouse of guests. I would like to start with by introducing Dana Arnett. She is the CEO and co-founder of Wicked Bionic, a Los Angeles-based agency that crafts multicultural marketing and advertising campaigns. Since 2015, the agency under Dana's leadership has worked with large organizations and government agencies, impacting millions of lives through strategic media campaigns and initiatives. Dana, welcome. Thank you. We also have Margie Malden, president and owner of Executive Forum, a boutique learning company. In the past 35 years, Margie has earned the trust of the Colorado and national business community as an entrepreneur and successful business owner. She effectively manages Executive Forum boards, clients, client lists that includes a variety of compelling projects, galvanizing talented employees and business partners. She has a create she has created a firm that makes a difference in the lives of corporate and government business leaders, delivering training to thousands of people each year. She is also the best selling author of Feedback Revolution, Building Relationships and Boosting Results. Welcome. Thank you. And last but not least, we have Beverly Kikendall, president of Kikendall and Associates. Her company helps to establish and Establish enterprise-wide corporate and government growth strategies by leveraging tenured experience relationships and regulatory knowledge to increase agencies' penetration through collaborative solution development. And Beverly, I'm going to start with you. I've known you for almost, gosh, almost 12 years now. That's crazy. (laughs) Time goes quickly. Time flies very quickly when you're having fun in federal contracting. That is insane. And so... When I first met you, I think right after you said, hello, pleasure to meet you. What are you doing to help women with government contracting? (laughs) Yes, you did. And and I'm prepared to answer. That's a very, very good question, but I would allow you to phrase the question. I have lots to say on the topic, and I look forward to engaging with the others on this call. So my question is going to be, what specific advantages do women-owned businesses gain from participating in government contracting opportunities? Well, the, gov- the federal government, there's, I will try to narrow the discussion and with hopes that we'll be able to have more. But the, the government helps to provide a level playing field for women-owned small businesses by limiting the competition only among that category of companies to businesses that participate in the women-owned small business program. So if you if you are a certified woman-owned small business, and we're talking about the federal government, right, because there's also state and local, which is different, 
when the federal government has a very specific program that's well-designed, it's well-resourced, it's well-known. What I hope to get through this conversation is to talk about how can women make that program work for them in order to gain the result that the government is dictating will happen. So it's a special program for women-owned small businesses so that you only compete among yourselves. And that's really important because you want to level, you want to limit the, the competitive field. You don't want to compete with large companies, small companies, big companies, all companies. And if they narrow and limit the competition, it increases your odds to getting the business. And there are very specific areas of the federal acquisition regulation that discuss that. Hope that helps. Dana, I can see you have something to add. Yeah, well, I'm, well, I'm thinking, um, and I'm so happy to be here. And thank you, Dr. Pamela and, and Margie and Beverly. It's lovely to be with you. Um, what our experience has been, and we're WOSB certified as well as Webeck West WBE certified and a few other certifications. But I think um, what you were speaking of was federal. Our, our experience is city, county, state. Um, and, and I... And I believe in some ways um, that that narrow playing field by being a WBE is what what changes um, the way that we're able to compete 100 percent. I we uh, fortunate enough to be 85 percent of our work is in government contracting. And I believe that there is that I, I know that um, the opportunities are there for women, but so many women are either scared of being in the space. Right. What is that? Or um, they don't bid. A lot of people will see proposals come through, but they don't bid. And I always say, if you can't, if you don't write a proposal, you can't win, right? So there's a lot of opportunity for for work in that in that space for women. I do want to add something because that's that's very 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 good input. And in the federal arena, the government sends out what's called a sources sought because they're looking for women-owned small businesses. And if they don't, even before the bid comes out. If women don't respond to the source of salt and to say, I have these capabilities, here's my capability statement, I can absolutely participate in this requirement, then it's not set aside for women-owned small businesses, and we've lost that opportunity. So thank you for mentioning that. Thank you. Now, before we get uh, really deep into this, can you explain the differences? You mentioned um, the different types of certifications, and why is that important? Um, Who wants to jump in? So on the federal side, right, um, you must be certified because the government offers a number of different resources and federal contracting is very lucrative. So they want to make sure that you are who you say you are. The federal government has a 23% requirement that all of government contracts must go through some element of small business. And women-owned small businesses are a part of that. So they want to make sure you are who you say you are. And it also helps when they are looking at statistics to see how many contracts actually went to certified women-owned small businesses, economically disadvantaged women-owned small businesses. And I also want to bring up that in federal, so in the federal contracting arena, if you're a WBE and you're certified as a WBE, make, it, it means nothing. So for a woman-owned small business in the federal sector, you must be WOSB certified or EDWOSB certified in order to be able to participate for the set-aside programs along what's called, there's about 750 eligible industries. So certification is critical and very important. 
the correct certification. You said you said it beautifully. One of the best things about WeBank West or WeBank and getting certified is that you can get certified at the same time as a WBE and a WOSB. Super helpful. Thank you for that, Dr. Pam. Oh, that's good. Excellent. Beverly, you mentioned a um, a source of in the federal government source of, and I didn't catch the entire title. That's not something that I'm familiar with. Could you explain that a little bit? A- absolutely, and thank you for asking the question. The government engages in what's called market research in order to determine if there is a specific requirement that they can set aside for a certain category of business. One part of that market research is, there's several. So there's one called a sources sought, sources sought, SS. The government is looking for, for example, a woman-owned small business who can um, fulfill a requirement with the Army for advertising and media campaigns. So they will set that out and they will say, they're looking for you. Are there any woman-owned small businesses that can do that? And many times, uh, as, as, as Dana said, women just don't respond. And so the government says, well, we looked and there was nobody. So now we're no longer going to set that aside. We're going to send it out for small business. There's also something called uh, in that market research, a request for information, an RFI. And again, the government is saying we're thinking about coming out with a solicitation for a certain requirement. And we're looking for any small business. Here's what we're looking for. What do you think about this? So they're actually asking industry for input to, to in order to say, yes, I can do that. But maybe if you tweaked it a little bit over here, it might be better, uh, pr- better source for women-owned small businesses. Or maybe it's something technical in their draft statement of work that they've included with that RFI. And you get an opportunity for, for input. So sources sought or an RFI. And so also a pre-solicitation is another type. So there's various types of uh, market research that the federal government can engage in. Thank you. That was very helpful. There's, there's also, oh, I'm sorry, Marjorie, did I interrupt you? No, 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 no. I was going to say it's it's so um, uh, federal is is different in the language for sure than than uh, city state county and I know it's um, at least in Los Angeles they're trying very hard especially county to really in, um, look at bringing in women owned businesses and really doing those set asides um, we're just counties just started with LGBTQ um, getting having that certification means something and and give an advantage which is very fortunate for us but I I, I really believe that over time as the work is done, right, we can get more government agencies, at least on city, state, um, local, get them to, uh, you know, be able to bring in other woman-owned businesses as something that is valuable and important. Well, Dana, I have a question for you. I'm, I'm from Los Angeles and lived there all my life. I've only been gone about seven years. And it's really exciting to hear that the gov- that lo- state and local government are actually looking at set-asides because when I was there, all they did, it was, it was really kind of like a goal. So they didn't really carve out right. areas for LGBT or women-owned small businesses or for minority-owned companies. So that's, that, to hear that that's happening, is, that's monumental. 
Well, and think about it. The state of California did it because with the state of California, it's just small business and uh, veteran-owned businesses. So we always bring that partner in because that's mm-hmm. being a good sport. But we always do, um, uh, you know, show our certification whether it's accepted or not that we're a woman-owned small business or, or a woman-owned business because it matters to us, right? Mm-hmm. That they get to see that that's another advantage of hiring a diverse business is to be able to have have that. Um, that thought leadership and that connection with people that are, I think it makes us more real in some way, you know? I, I agree with you. I think also that for, for women-owned small businesses and people that have been looking for years to do business in the federal government, they really are. They want to get past the conversation and they want to be able to say, how can I really, what does the certification really mean? What does it really do for me? And on the federal side, particularly there's an executive order, executive order 13985, that discusses uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion in federal procurement. And the government, under the Biden-Harris administration, has actually targeted $100 million, no, $100 billion (laughs) over the next five years, a a good distinction to make, right? Uh, EO13985, you can look it up, and uh, $100 billion for, and it says for small disadvantaged businesses. And so they are, so, and you can actually see, for example, the Department of the Navy, they're looking at large multi-billion dollar contracts. Now they're disaggregating and unbundling some of those contracts and making it set aside for different socioeconomic categories, including women-owned small businesses and economically disadvantaged small businesses. So as people listen to this program, I know there are many who have been disillusioned over the years because they've been trying. And I'm really proud to be on this panel because it truly is about execution. And I realize there are new entrants coming into these programs all the time. And I always say federal contracting is not for the faint of heart. (laughs) There are so many different elements to it. And that's why I'm glad that there are organizations like Webeck West that have this continuous ongoing conversation. Um, And I'm even even thinking uh, for a follow-up, maybe, don't get mad at me, uh, Pamela, take one company and just walk them through the entire process on the federal side. Just one company. That's something I'd like uh, to just offer maybe for the future. And then come back and demonstrate to people, here's what we did. Here's what's happening. Here's how they were hopefully awarded a contract. So it's, uh, it's just happy to be here. So uh, I have a follow-up question. So Margie, I know that your one of your expertise is in building relationships. And I'm curious, how does, I know in the non-government sector, we are always talking about relationship, relationship, relationship. You have to build an authentic relationship with that buyer, that supplier diversity person. Is that the same philosophy in government contracting? And do you have any insight into that? Um, yes, I think relationships are relationships. We're all human, uh, no matter where the paycheck is coming from. And it is um, with the desire, for me at least, with the desire of looking for information. And as Dana said, uh, helping people, bringing in other people to help when you need help. Um, on government contracting. I did find it curious. A couple of years ago, I was working on a federal contract and um, it came time to do our invoicing. And I was talking with the 
with the budget analyst and different folks. And I said, you do know that we're a certified small business DBE, um, woman-owned business. I said, you can check that box with this contract. And um, he was stunned. We were on a Zoom and he was just stunned um, and so happy that he got to check one of his boxes <laughs> for the year. So that was, um, so the relationship um, combined with education is the way I look at it. And it goes both ways. Um, educating our um, subcontractors and then educating, getting educated and providing information for our current bosses, whatever that might be. Yeah, I loved what you said because you made me think of, I didn't know this in the beginning, but we were very, very fortunate when we got into government contracting. We were a year and a half in business. And my, my, my business partner said, you know, we should get into government contracting. I'm like, what do you talk? It sound equal. It, right in right in my ear, it was like, that's no way. Right. But then as you go and right. So we, we got our certifications as a small business and, and we got woman owned, but we, um, we wrote a proposal for the Los Angeles Public Library. It was our first proposal. It was gorgeous. It was fantastic. There weren't a lot of rules because it was city of Los Angeles and we won. We won our very first proposal. When does that happen? <laughs> Let me tell you, six years later, six years later, and the renewals, and we do media campaigns for them all over the city. But I will tell you, that relationship, that our client over there, she is one of our biggest cheerleaders. I thank her every year because I don't know that we would have the business that we have if she hadn't put us on that right path. You know, it's a, it's a revenue um, base for us every year. Right. So we've been so fortunate, but on the relationship we use, uh, um, we use this, this um, person as a referral. She's our top referral when you have to write a, you know, your references. Right. And when you're submitting a new proposal and she is our top referral, I will tell you, we have three wonderful ones, but that I know that's what separates us because of the work we do for them, that these Fantastic people recommend us when they make a call or they fill out the survey about how we are as an agency. That relationships, those relationships are game changers, I think, for us. So that is the on the inside, once you get in, being able to have that relationship is, you know, is wonderful. Wonderful. So I, I know in uh, the private world, we do a lot of education about how to build relationships with buyers so what are some tips that you guys have that you'd like to share with the audience around how do you build relationships with those federal or state or city government relationships? How do you go about that? What are some best practices? I will, I'd love to weigh in on that. And so for me, in federal contracting, right, there's always conferences and workshops and other types of engagement. So I think, I think it's a very good question, right? How do you start? And you've heard me say this before, Dr. Williamson, that if I'm at a conference, I know I've already studied the literature. I know who's going to be there. I am the first one to ask any questions. My hand goes up right away. Stand up. I say Beverly Kuykendall, KAA. And then I, I ask a question that's relevant to the entire audience. So one, gives you an opportunity to be seen. Two, uh, the person on the, on the stage is now, uh, they've seen you. 
And now we can follow up, exchange cards, and then there's that continuous involvement. But it takes a lot of uh, study to just understand how can you engage with them from a relevant perspective. And that, again, research, understanding, you're at the conference, you're there for a specific reason. Maybe it's the Army, maybe it's the Navy, maybe it's the Air Force, and you know what kind of requirements are are coming up and and are available. You can ask a question and then you continue to follow up. I, I just think that it's really important. Also on the federal side, and I'll make this quick, whenever there's a source of solder, an RFI or pre-sol, there's a contact person's name. And at that point, you can ask questions. You can call them. You can send them an email. And as you engage, those relationships start to be built. And as someone said earlier, they last for a very long time. So that, those are my tips for the federal side. Make sure that you're there. Thanks, Beverly. And I just have to say, uh, again, I've known Beverly for quite a while. And one of the first things she taught me is you got to make sure that you might not be the prettiest person in the room, but you will definitely be the most noticed person in the room. She's like, you need to stand up, say your name, say your company name, and be proud of those two things, your name and your company name. And so I think that is is extremely important because I can't tell you how, how many conferences I go to where people will ask a question and I'm like, who are you? What do you do? Yes. Um, because they don't do that. So I think that that is a great tip for building relationships and just engagement. And standing up. If they give you that microphone, stand up. Even if nobody else has stood up. And you say, well, nobody else has stood up, so I'm not going to stand up. No, stand up. You got the <laughs> and you said up. a great thing. Ask a question that is pertinent to the audience, not yes. so my little yes. narrow niche. I think that is a great Great, great little give there. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank it, you. it sure is. And if I, I'll just follow up with one other thing that I keep in mind. Um, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Beverly. Preparing to attend a conference is a lot of work. It's yeah. not 10 minutes before. That's it's right. 30 minutes every day prior to um, spending time on the agenda, the people there. Um, And another aspect I try to build on with that is give to get. Does someone have a question that maybe you might have an answer to? I will seek them out and say, I had this experience and here's what I did specifically. And so we've gone from relationships to being present and giving to get. I think those are three really, really fine um, points for people listening. Uh, Quick story. I had a a recent event with the Centers for Disease Control, and it was a large requirement that was coming out uh, for medical products and supplies. They're they're really trying to stock their storehouses to make sure that we don't have a repeat of what happened uh, during COVID, right? They want to make sure that the warehouses are full. And so they sent out the, the sources sought, I answered it and I said, is there an opportunity for industry to hear from you on a virtual meeting exactly what you're looking for? And the contracting officer wrote back and said, no, you, no, we don't do the government doesn't do that. Now, I know better. We have a lot of young contracting officers. So I I patiently and politely said, wrote her an email and said, thank you so much for providing me the information, which states that the government cannot conduct industry meetings. That's this is new information to me. And I copied her supervisor. The woman called me on us and it because, right, I didn't say you didn't give me the wrong information. I said, you know, I, that's new, that's news to me. She called me on a Saturday and, and apologized and said, I am so sorry. Thank you so much for posing the question in that way. And I wanted to call and tell you that I made a mistake. 
So fast forward seven or eight months later, she's on an evaluation committee. Guess who got the contract? Right. So always be kind. That's the other piece. Always be kind. Always. I always say that when you have a, um, if they're looking, you've got 10 reviewers or five reviewers and they're looking through all this, all these proposals, all these proposals, and there's name recognition. It's just a bias that is there no matter what. And I'd rather be the recognized name. I think it can make a difference if it's be close between me and someone else. Yes. And that's, that is a great point. Um, I will also share a story that's not really a happy story. Uh, but I learned my lesson in refreshing my network. We had done business locally out at the Denver Federal Center with an organization for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was revenue that we depended on, um, just like you, Dana. And um, they had changeover at the top in the area that makes the decisions. And we were not his favorite. And we have not gotten any work from them in the last three years. And we should have been out there when we knew that that transition was taking place. Um, We should have been out there renewing and enlivening, energizing our relationships across the board. That that is a really, that's really good, humbling information for all of us, right? Right. Uh, To make sure that, that we're, <laughs> something tells me you recovered somehow. Yeah, I was going to say that it never happens again. You're right. It only happens. 80% yeah. of your revenue in, in anything, right, is just going to kill us all. Somehow. I also share that. I'm sorry. Did I interrupt someone? I just wanted to share also that. So I'm, I'm a geek. I identify myself as a geek. I love federal contracting. I'm always reading the news. So we know that the war with, in, in, with Ukraine is really something that's happening right now. You read the newspaper, you know the government, the U.S. government is giving lots of aid in a number of different ways. They're providing weapons, they're providing um, emergency supplies. And so uh, I looked at the agency, there's an agency called Federal uh, Foreign Military Sales. And I had already had a contract, of a very large one, about two or $3 million for the Syrian refugee effort. I saw that that was happening. It was in the news. I called them and I said, listen, I'm sitting on the outside looking in right now because I haven't, I'm just not sure how those dollars are being spent and how to work my way in. Quite frankly, I've got my nose pressed against the window, hoping that I have an opportunity, right? It helps to make them laugh a little bit too. <laughs> so, um, and he said, you know what? And people have been going out for COVID. They're not working. He says, I'm working three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you want to fly to Philadelphia, let's talk about it. And you better believe I've already got my plane ticket. So just having conversations and being aware of what's going on because the government, especially now is spending so much money on both grants and contracts. And if you could talk about something that's really relevant and understand the agency that has been, that has those dollars to spend, it's a great way and a great reason to renew old uh, contacts as well, because um, to, to Margie's point, people change and move all the time. And this gentleman is getting ready to, take a lateral move. And so I asked him, I said, I'd love to be able to be introduced to the person that's going to be taking your place because I know that you have to train them. So I am dusting off my shoes, making the trip to Philadelphia. I'm going to say hello to him. And I'm also hopefully going to be meeting the, the new person. So thanks for that, Margie. You triggered something in my brain. Thank you. Well done. 
Now, at a tactical level on a day-to-day basis, for somebody who's never done this before, what are some of the activities they should be doing um, you know, to get their feet wet and to explore if this is the right fit for them to pursue uh, government contracting work? Are there a certain number of proposals a month they should be doing, or is there places they can go to see where there's opportunity? Like, what what is kind of the the work they should be doing on a daily or weekly or monthly basis in order to be successful in this space? It's the best question ever. I was thinking earlier that we all jumped into the, hey, you know, we're up here, but but there's, you know, you got to get your feet wet in it. And government contracting, I think you said it before, Beverly, isn't for everyone, whether it's city, state, federal, whatever, it's not for everybody. But I will say that um, also the certification is, if you're any of those things, a small business, a woman-owned business, LGBTQ, a veteran, uh, disadvantaged, um, you know, look at what those certifications might apply because they're just in general, you join a wonderful community. But for um, what I would do is I would go and I, because I didn't know anything and I would look at every possible place where I could get, they're called vendor portals. And I'd go into the vendor portal and I'd register Wicked Bionic and it could be a government portal. It could be a private industry portal. And I just was like, oh, I got to get all these portals. I had no idea if they needed my services. I had no idea if they bought bought marketing and advertising. But I thought with the volume, something will stick, right? And um, so what I say first and foremost is find and look at private and public entities that would want your services or have issued contracts around those type of services. So you're not wasting your time. We're working on corporate um, corporate engagement this year. And I have to, you said it, Beverly, research. I have to know, does somebody do what we do? Otherwise we're going, you know, putting energy. So I know the right people within, it doesn't matter if they don't buy. I have a new friend, but it doesn't help. So I think research and find who um, who wants what you have to sell. And then you start with these vendor portals and you start registering yourself. And they're easy. Like if you literally do, you know, supplier portal or vendor portal for Coca-Cola or for whatever, you know, city of Los Angeles or whatever, and you become a registered vendor. What happens then is, and I'm not going to talk about the codes or anything, but then you start to um, get notifications of opportunities that might be right, that would be a good fit. Then you investigate an opportunity and you read it. They usually they can be 50, 60 pages, but you look at it and you know, I used to I used to read every single word now. I don't read so many words, but you know, you look at it, is it right? Is this right for me and for my company? Do I have the resources that could take on this kind of a job, right? If it's usually a minimum of a year. And um, and if it's right for you, then you, you know, we thankfully now um, gratefully have a team that write our proposals because Dana, <laughs> Dana does not have the time, but I sign off. On it. And then you start figuring out, you know, there's a million templates out there and things and start looking at how, how do we put a craft a proposal? Because it is a very um, particular way. I learned very early with the city of Los Angeles. I was in this uh, wonderful small business Academy and um, they said, they said, if you miss one signature, on your proposal, it is, it can be a reason for disqualification. And I'll tell you, I would lay the proposal out all over the conference room and I would look, making sure that every single thing, right? Because it had to be a paper copy. So, so I think there's a particular thing. Um, there's a lot of particulars about it to learn. But, um, and the other thing I want to go back to, there's a lot of details you can learn and you can also search this or ask a colleague. Um, but is, is that people look at it, it overwhelms them. They want to respond. They know they can do it, but they don't, right? We thought we had 20 
agencies that had to be com- um, uh, competing for this something within Oregon, for this contract in Oregon, there were three of us and we won it. Three people had the time, the energy, the focus to respond. So you think you've got all this competition. And sometimes we won two, two with the county um, at the end of the year because we were the only ones that wrote, the only ones that took the time. So, you know, there's a lot of stories that can go on in your head, but if you focus on what you do best and how to uh, share that with um, and respond properly, um, there's a great opportunity there. I wanted to, on the federal side, so I always think about, I think in analogies, right? You start telling yourself stories. So where are the best basketball players? Are they in the NBA? Probably not, right? They're in Denver. Softball. That was an easy layup, Beverly. <laughs> I'm a straight man, Margie, all day long. Well, well done. It's just like in entertainment, right? The best people are the ones that, they're the ones that we see because they have discipline. Their attitudes are correct. They do the hard work. They spend the 10,000 hours, right? Those are the ones that make it past the barrier so that we see them in the NBA. So I think of, you made me think of that, Dana, Dana as you were talking about, you know, that all you have a, only three companies were awarded the contract because they're the ones that had the discipline and the insight. Now, where do you go to look for, where would somebody really get started? And on the federal side, it's called the System for Acquisition Management, SAM.gov. You can go into it. You can look in there. You can put in search terms. Um, you can put in your NAICS code. I don't know if we want to get that deep right now, but the North American Industrial Classification System thinks Don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I wanted to say in the federal government, and it probably exists on the uh, on municipalities as well, that you have APEX, which used to be the Procurement Technical Assistance Center, free resources, free services, SBA.gov, smallbusinessadministration.gov, free resources, free information, local offices where you can meet people, sit down, engage with them. The Small Business Development Centers, also .gov. There, so there's all these free resources where you can start and engage. And so we do consulting, right, for, for, for KAA. We're consultants. But I always tell people, you don't want to start with me. I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm looking for clients that have already done some aspect of uh, federal contracting. I'm not going to fill out a CRM. I'm not going to go out and make sales calls for you. You and I are going to sit down and structure a strategy together and then an execution strategy as well. So start with the free resources and then also for federal look on SAM.gov. And I'm sure there are a number of other portals, but start there. So that, that to me, that's a specific answer to the question on the federal side. I totally agree with that. Um, another first start would be developing your statement of qualifications. My last two uh, government contracts, they that's all they wanted. And they didn't put out an RFB. They, they did um, interviews and then they made their selection. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of weird, tell you the truth, but a lot of people don't have that basic one or two page statement of qualifications. And that's pretty easy to do. Yeah. 
Well, Margie, maybe for those of us on the phone, right? <laughs> well, what I was going to say, if you're a WBE and part of WeBank West or part of WeBank, there's there's lots of opportunities to build that capability statement. Yeah, right? yeah very, very good. L- lots of training. I, I agree. And I think so. So in, in on the federal side, there's something called the rule of two. Margie, you made me think about this, right? This is why I like working with other people. Uh, she was saying how the government just made some phone calls. They looked at the, at the capability statement and they made a decision. In the federal government, there's something called the rule of two. So if you are a WOSB or a, and you can Google it, or a, an EDWOSB, economically disadvantaged WOSB, women on small business, then the government, the contracting officer has the option to Uh, If there are two women-owned small businesses that can meet the requirement, the government, the contracting officer can just set it aside, call those two, set it aside for women-owned small business. But, But you have to, I don't think they necessarily do it on their own. You have to understand how to make that certification really work for you. What is it? What, how does it really work? What are the step-by-steps? And that's why I think it's one thing to kind of talk about all the opportunities that are there. And it's another conversation to say, all right, how do I execute? How do I really engage so that I will see a return on my investment by doing all of this research, by doing all of this study, by going to the conferences and spending the money? How do I get a return on my investment? I think that that's a separate discussion. And I think some of those questions can be answered through APEX, SBA.gov, SBDC.gov, and some of the workshops that I know WeBank West and WeBank put on. Yes. Now, is it um, reasonable for a, a new person to just do this on their own and figure it out? Or is this something that they have to enlist the aid of somebody that's been there, done that, and either, you know, pay for a consultant or or uh, work with uh, a team that has already uh, kind of knows how to navigate this and can be their Sherpa through it? Or is it is it kind of plausible and reasonable for a lay person to just kind of figure this out? We did. We did when there probably weren't that many resources. We did. My business partner and I just started to read and do. We didn't know what we were going to do with any of it, but we learned, right? We learned and we started small. That's what we started local, right? Local city. We didn't, you know, federal scared us, you know, it doesn't scare us anymore, but you know, like what's going on in my community that I could maybe look at and join. So I think it's possible, but there are, as Beverly, you stated, so many wonderful resources. And then we met with the SBA and then we met with the SBDC, you know, person assigned to us. So we just, because it is an understanding, but you want an understanding based upon who you are and who your business is. So having those resources and those, those people that are so willing and knowledgeable um, is a great advantage. And, and, and it's important to, to, to have them in your team on your team. And I guarantee you, I've not met Dana or Margie before, but these are very special women, right? So when you ask the question about, you know, how is it just easy to go in? I believe I'm looking at Dana and her body language. Dana could do anything. <laughs> Margie can do anything. Look, look how sophisticated Margie. They're, they're like the cream of the crop, right? I, I already know that. I already look. So they're, they're kind of special. And if you're, if you're doing if you are just kind of curious about it, I say start with the free resources. Because I, I get these women are already, I'm looking at you guys. You guys are so special. I, if, if nobody else is telling, has told you, I'm telling you. You know that. You guys are some <laughs> awesome women. Thank You're you, Beverly. 
Well, and there are so many uh, free resources. You don't even, you if you have the money to retain a consultant, that's great. But you don't even know what questions to ask. And um, you should, if you are a member of, uh, especially we, and I, I always want to say, I, the old name. I'm still hooked on the old name. I can't do it. We back west. Um, I can call for advice. I can call for all kinds of things. And one of the prior employees went to a new job and she recommended me for a current contract that I am delivering. And it's because we had a relationship and we were human. We treated each other as equals, as humans, as women, as colleagues. And it was just fantastic the amount of knowledge that you can gain. I don't mind taking some time to answer some questions, but all of those, those um, resources are available, especially at conferencing and those sorts of things. You said such a great thing. The thing I, I think is paramount when we all, because we all get in, in fear between our ears, right? About something. We make up a story that's not true. But every <laughs> writing that down, <laughs> every single resource that I have asked for help, whether it's uh, Webeck West or any other SBA or any resource or colleague, everybody I know wants us to succeed. Yes. Like, why are, you know, Dr. Pamela is the best cheerleader of like why women own businesses in that space and why agencies, you know, should yeah. take us in, right? And consider because I, I think, I think that's, a, I think that's the biggest thing. And the other side of that is I also heard, and I think it's so true is to, to not participate with these agencies is, um, you're holding back your gift. You're holding back your gift. You have a gift to give. And it's not like people want what we have and they want us to solve whatever their problem is. So that's why they need us as well. So I think that's what, you know, when you're proposing, and I I think it's a really good way to keep it all in the positive and to keep us motivated to moving forward. Yeah. And and on the relationship side, you know, sometimes um, I think folks out there, they think they have to wait or wait to be invited. Last year, I got together with six women. I invited them to Washington, D.C. to have a dinner with me because I thought that there was so much. One was the president and CEO of something called the U.S. Ability One Commission. One was a partner in a law firm. Another one was a contracting officer, high-level executive with the VA, women that I had already had relationships with, and I wanted them to meet each other. I wanted them... So I didn't have to wait and say, oh, you know, I don't get invited. I took it upon myself to sit down and have dinner. I've gone into business with one. Um, another one has been promoted to a very high level executive position with a large, well-known manufacturing company. And so I'm doing business with her and they're doing business with one another. Um, you can develop a network of your own and just say, I just want to make sure that you all already know one another. I want you to meet one another. And it, it turned, that really wasn't my, I was just lonely because I was so isolated during COVID, <laughs> but it ended up being a wonderful uh, engagement. And now they've called me and said, we, we want to do that again. And I thought that's a great thing. I don't want it to be anything formal. Let's just go sit down, have dinner and chat ladies. 
I want to go. I'll go. I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. Um, I, I would like to add one other thing. And um, let's say you do your statement of qualifications. You find a contract, small, um, and you, you write your proposal and you win it. That is your first opportunity to outwork the competition. You all, my mantra, I'm, I'm getting it back now, but um, is um, always do more. We agreed on four meetings. We're doing six. We agreed on this time frame and this depth. We're doing more. And nothing is more fulfilling than your client getting their first document from you, your first report, mm-hmm. and saying, wow, this exceeds my expectations by 100%. We're that, finished with this contract now. I went, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we got more. But um, it only takes 10, 15% to work harder onto first class. It's just, it's not that hard. And think about it for clients and contracting officers, right? First of all, we talked about relationships. So maybe Mm -hmm. there's a multi-million dollar or multi-billion dollar contract that's out there on the street. So the government does what's called MATOX, Multiple Award Task Order Contracts, M-A-T-O-Cs. And they'll award a contract uh, to maybe 10, 15 companies. And that contract may be worth a billion dollars or, you know, over a five to 10 year period. But you're one of the contractors on that contract. So now you have a way for the government to buy. But if you can, um, there's something, if you can do great work and you record that you've done that great work during the course of that contract, the government also has something called the Contractors Performer Performance Assessment rating system, CPARS. It's a public, um, the contracting officer ranks you within that system, cpars.gov, uh, you can get there. They rank you within that system. And then for the next contract, rather than ask you for a reference, they'll go into the CPARS to see how you were ranked by that contracting officer. And so what, I, Margie, you reminded me, I do quarterly reviews so that I show what we've shipped, uh, what, what it was like, what our fill rate was, how many did we actually deliver based versus how many they actually ordered, um, who we engaged with, if we did something great, if we got a compliment, all of that is recorded, and that goes into the quarterly review. And you could do that even as a federal contractor. So, you know, one of the things that we do is we want to make sure that we're communicating with you. And I, and you would be surprised. Sometimes you, I have a meeting. I have a contract with the uh, United States Army Medical Material Agency for medical re- repair parts for capital equipment. I go into the meeting and they have all seven of their buyers at that meeting. And they gave me some information that wasn't, you know, to Margie's point, humbling. That wasn't good information. But I needed to. It wasn't a good report on us. But it gave me the opportunity to hear it, to go back and to fix it. Mm-hmm. So I, definitely engagement, definitely reports, um, and make sure that you find a way to stay engaged. I've got a that's a wonderful story that demonstrates the power of the the uh, portals and the information that's 
gathered. In fact, I, I want another computer so I can go on and see if we're listed. But this is my question. Is it um, is it appropriate to ask the people that we have done work for to go on and complete that? Or do they do that as a matter of record? So if in federal contracting, it's they will send it to you and say, Margie, we have a we you've had contract number A B C D E F G. Um, mm-hmm. We're giving you a ranking, and then you go in, you see how they've ranked you, and then you can actually respond. So it's, it's specific to government contracting. They actually go into it, and then have you let you inform you that it's there, and then you go in and you respond to the CPARS. So that's I, I think that, but. The way that you've worded it, I still think that's a really good thing that you can still do and say, would you write me a separate reference? Sometimes government contracting officers don't necessarily want to do that. Um, Okay. They don't necessarily want to do that, but you can always, I always say, if you don't ask, you don't get. Right. Right. Perfectly all right. And what was the name of that again, Beverly? The Contractors Performance Assessment rating system, CPARS. And if you've ever had a government contract, they will uh, give you your ranking and say how you're doing, the status of the contract, and you have an opportunity to go in and agree or disagree. And what I'm training companies to do is don't just check a box. Somebody said that earlier. Don't just check a box. You go Mm -hmm. in, they give you some of like 15,000 characters and you can write, this was a great experience for my company. Here's what we did. We helped them solve this problem and make that CPARS work for you. Now, before we wrap, I think it's important uh, for the listener, if they want to connect with uh, each of you, uh, uh, I'll start with you, Beverly. Can you share a little bit about maybe your ideal prospect and the website and best way uh, for someone to connect with you? Lee, I love that question. Ideal prospect. <laughs> for, for me, there are companies that have done business in the federal government before. We generally work with companies that are $30 million in revenue and above. So they're, they're a little bit larger. They're not, they're still considered small, right? Because small is based on your next code, whole nother conversation. So those that have been involved in the federal sector before, I also like to work with companies that potentially have feet on the street who can actually make sales calls and or be involved if I were to bring an, bring an introduction to the table. I can be reached at, but the name of my company is Kaikendall and Associates, and I'm Beverly at kaallc.com, Beverly at kaallc.com. And what I try to, I try to engage in some training um, whenever I'm asked, and I don't charge for that. Um, but, and it's, I just really want people to have the information. And right now that executive order, you know, the administration might change in a couple of years and all that money is going to be left on the table. That's my biggest fear. So I want people to be able to understand executive order one, three, nine, eight, five, and how to take advantage of it. Thank you, Lee. And Margie, uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of your book, uh, feedback revolution, uh, or connect with you or somebody on your team, ideal prospect and website and contact information. Um, ideal prospect for me would be, uh, since we're talking about government agencies, um, agencies that are changing their culture, agencies that are um, have conflict in their organization. Uh, for instance, the return to work um, conflict is just killing people. 
and killing leader. That's a wrong word. It's, it's very hard for people to do that. Um, uh, my book is on Amazon. You can find it. You can get it on Kindle. Um, and my, I can be reached at Margie, M-A-R-G-I-E dot Malden, M-A-U-L-D-I-N at executiveforum.net. And the website is executiveforum.net. Dana, uh, for folks who want to get a hold of you and others at Wicked uh, Bionic, can you share uh, Ideal Prospect and your website and contact? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Um, you know, Wicked Bionic, um, we say that we uh, connect millions of diverse consumers to products and services and initiatives that change their lives. And I think that really sums up the work that we do. Um, our ideal client is is in the government space, but I'll, I will say even more than that, we are always looking for other diverse partners. My goal um, since last year is to have a partner in every state. And that might be a public relations person. That might be um, uh, a transcription company. All we because we can expand to other states if we have partners in there. That, that if, we, if we have people that we can partner with that allow us that in in that state. And there's you know state by state we see so many. So um, we actually have a spreadsheet that we send out. So if somebody wants to make contact um, to be a partner in ours, but you have to have already been in the government space in any form of government. Uh, because I think as we've all said today, it's a very different understanding. Um, my email is Dana D A N A at wickedbionic.com. My website, wouldn't you know? wickedbionic.com. And so, yes, happy happy to speak to anyone or, or help in any way. So I, I appreciate the ask. Well, Pamela, great show. Um, big, A lot of big takeaways today. Yeah, it was. Uh, ladies, thank you for a fantastic, dynamic show. Um, I've taken so many notes. There were so many nuggets, but the one I want our listeners to take away from is you know, if you have not considered or considered government contracting and you are now interested in taking that leap, you know, take advantage of the free resources that are out there. And those range from SAM.gov, the SBDCs in your local area, or the SBA. So I, you know, start there. And we hope that this information was valuable. So, Lee, I'll send it off to you to close out. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Dr. Pamela Williamson. We will see you all next time on Women in Motion.